Yo, welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. I'm maskless Stefan Delaguardia coming to you live from Studio B in USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm the maskless Justin Hio. It's March 9th. On today's show, gas prices have reached the stratosphere after the U.S. banned Russian oil and gas. Plus, did Californians actually tune into Governor Newsom's State of the State address? And a close-up look at protests against Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. All that and more from where we are. But first, these news headlines. As the conflict between Russia and Ukraine intensifies, more innocent people are getting hurt in the crossfire. After promising to cease fire, the Russian government still proceeded to bomb a children's hospital in Mariupol today. At this time, 17 casualties have been reported, none of these being children. In local news, USC is set to host the next Los Angeles mayoral candidate debate on March 22nd in the Bovard Auditorium. Students will even have the opportunity to ask candidates questions. Billionaire real estate developer Rick Caruso, who's also the former chair of the USC Board of Trustees, is set to make his first debate appearance as a mayoral candidate. After rumors of accepting the head basketball coach position at the University of Maryland, Andy Enfield officially extended his contract as head coach of the Trojans once again through the 2027-28 season. The former Pac-12 Coach of the Year is excited to continue with the Trojans as they push for a second consecutive Elite Eight appearance. Fight Fight on, on, baby. President Joe Biden announced a ban on Russian imports of oil and energy sources on March 8th. Now, California is seeing the highest average gas prices in the country at $5.57 per gallon, with some Southern California areas getting up to $7 per gallon. No, that is criminal. (laughs) AC Schick has more. While living in LA might be sunny, the gas prices are a little less bright. USC students who commute are having to pay an increasing amount as gas prices continue to surge. And I paid almost $100. It cost me almost $100. That's how much gas costs this week for commuter students like Sabrina Shahan, sophomore business administration major, and Keelan Lopez, junior, human biology major. Freshman political science major Owen Anderson has seen the rise and is worried about who the price increase will hurt. I think it's unfortunate because it really affects working class people the most. The reason for the increase comes from President Biden's announcement to ban Russian oil imports, and this cost is impacting students. Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. President Biden is using the ban to punish Russia's war on Ukraine, but knows the effect on prices. Russia's aggression is costing us all. Margarita Balmaceta is a professor of the School of International Relations and Diplomacy at Seton Hall University and an associate at the Harvard-Ukrainian Research Institute at Harvard University. She explains the results of Biden's announcement. Going to have a ripple effect on Russia that is really important. Balmaceta states the U.S. has not seen the impacts of the embargo, but prices are still lower than in parts of Europe. But maybe it's a moment also for other players to come in at different, at the local, state, and federal government to incentivize people moving to electric cars, people moving to public transportation, so that we can actually start using less gasoline and so that this doesn't have to be the painful question that it is now. While an increase on gas prices is not shocking for any L.A. resident, 
the meaning behind the spike might make it more understandable. For Annenberg Media, I'm AC Schick. California's governor addresses the state, but is the state really listening? Blair Batson has the story. On Tuesday, Governor Gavin Newsom delivered the State of the State Address to the California State Legislature. In his speech, Newsom touched on a range of issues, such as the economy, climate change, homelessness, and the rise of authoritarianism. California does democracy like nowhere else in the world. No other place offers opportunity to so many from so many different backgrounds. But we can't take democracy for granted. Authoritarian and illiberal impulses aren't just rising overseas. They've been echoing here at home for some time. Yet the timing of Newsom's speech has raised questions over whether the state of the state address is still necessary. Newsom even acknowledged the likelihood that few California residents would pay attention to the event. It goes without saying, you know, given the state of our world, I don't imagine there are many people outside of these walls waiting on the words that will be said here tonight. The State of the State address used to be a defining moment in California politics, a time for the governor to announce his policy ideas for the upcoming year and garner support from the legislator. But the speech has lost its importance in recent years as the need for bipartisan support in passing budget agreements has declined. Many USC students did not hear Newsom's address. Among them was Leslie Aguilar, a senior studying biological sciences. I actually didn't know that was a thing. Unfortunately, like most college students, I get a lot of my information on social media. Since I haven't been on social media because of midterms, I haven't seen that. Stella Malone, a freshman studying anthropology, was also not aware the address was occurring. I did not know it was happening. Um, I hadn't seen any sort of advertisement for it or anything, even on socials. Maybe it's just the side of socials that I'm on, but I did not know but I will go read it now because I usually am involved with politics and political information, especially when it pertains to California. For some students, like freshman Jack Smith, there's skepticism and distrust involved with politics. Um, I find it hard to follow politics because I think that while there are a lot of good things that politicians can stand for and say they stand for, um, I think a lot of it is based off um, personal reasons and it, politics is controlled by a lot of things that are just not as important as the things that really should be focused on. And so it, I find it hard to believe what they're saying um, and, and follow along to stuff that gets mentioned in those kind of addresses. Throughout his speech, Newsom emphasized what he deems to be California's unique ability to tackle the most prevalent issues of today. We'll just have to see how the California legislator is able to address issues like climate change, education and homelessness this year. For Annenberg Media, I'm Blair Batson. I'm Stefan Delaguardia. We're glad you're with us for From Where We Are. And I'm Justin Heo. It's seven minutes past the hour. Coming up, a walkout was organized to protest for Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. And we talk with Aaron Ajay from USC's MASH magazine about which fashion trends to watch out for. Stay with us. Please stay. Well, Florida's in the news again. What's new? Daishlin Satcher has the story. On Tuesday morning, the Florida Senate passed the controversial Don't Say Gay bill. 
Under this legislation, kindergarten through third grade teachers will be banned from discussing sexual orientation and gender identity in their classrooms. Officially called the Parental Rights and Education Bill, the legislation is now headed to the desk of Governor Ron DeSantis. While the Republican lawmaker has expressed his support for the bill, he hasn't explicitly stated whether or not he will sign it. But not everyone is undecided. Earlier this week, juniors Will Larkins and Maddie Zornek of Winter Park High School in Orange County, Florida, organized a school-wide walkout in protest of the Don't Say Gay bill. We had like over 400 plus people come to the walkout and we we're just showing that the Florida legislators do not represent the majority of people. Um, we don't support that bill. The majority of people at our school, the majority of people in Florida do not support that bill. And we just wanted to show the LGBTQ plus community, especially that there are people behind you. You are loved. You're valued. Like many activists, Zornek is worried that the bill's vague language will be used to ban all conversations related to queer identity for these younger students. So it's left very vague for a reason. That way anyone can sue the school and get teachers in trouble for speaking about queer histories, for speaking about queer like significance. Professor John Blosnick, the director of the Center for LGBTQ Health Equity at USC's Peck School of Social Works, shares similar concerns. I mean, it's sending a message that they can't even talk about this in the classroom. So that's going to further add to any sort of anxiety or feelings of shame. I mean, Blosnick says that witnessing these attacks on the LGBTQ community can be detrimental to queer youth. But there are ways in which we can push back against this type of legislation, which we have also seen in states like Tennessee, Indiana, Oklahoma, and Kansas. I mean, I think what people can do is, you know, one thing is just (laughs) calling them out for the discrimination and the stigma they're trying to create under this mask of protecting children. Zornak agrees. So the best thing to do right now is just to like keep amplifying your voices, be loud. Um, There's petitions to tell Governor DeSantis to veto this bill. And I mean, he's up for re-election in November. This goes to show every vote counts. For Annenberg Media, I'm Daishlin Satcher. All right, right now we are joined by USC student Erin Ajay. She's the VP of Business Development for MASH Magazine and a former Trend Research Chair at USC. Welcome, Erin. Hi. Hi, thank you for having me, guys. Yes, yeah, so, um, I, I gotta ask, like, how do people even predict fashion trends? Like, how does this even come about? Like, obviously, there's one thing I've noticed in particular, it's a lot of um, just kind of trends from the past coming back. But like, how, how do you even predict this kind of stuff happening? Um, well, like you said, there's a lot of like uh, past trends that come back. So there's definitely a cycle that you can observe. And now kind of with like more rapid development of technology, I think that cycle has kind of gotten shortened. So like, for example, the 2000s trends coming back now and even 2010s trends coming is kind of a shorter cycle than normally would be. Um, so there's definitely stuff with time, but also we can look now to a lot of like prominent figures, influencers and celebrities to see kind of what's going to be popular soon. Would you say that they're usually a catalyst for starting the trends or is there somebody else like a set figure or a set company or a set region? Um, I think now probably influence of social media people is really big. I think um, a lot of companies are trying to kind of reinvent themselves and really market to the youth. And 
whether or not this is true, I think a lot of companies definitely have in mind that the youth are going to look to these figures who are um, big on social media. So I, I feel like those are kind of the main people to look to at this point. All right. And what trend are you predicting that we'll see in the next year or so? Um, well, I think it's already kind of gotten started, but kind of just like subversion of a lot of gender expression. I think that now with there's a lot more discussion about gender, sexuality, and it's becoming a lot less taboo. So people have kind of more freedom to explore different um yeah, expression in fashion. So I think kind of mixing traditionally feminine and um, masculine cuts, patterns, and even types of clothing is going to be something we're going to see coming up. All right. And what trend do you want to never come back again, ever? <laughs> um, I, this might be controversial, but I would say skinny jeans. What? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it's just not my thing. I feel like it's, uh, yeah, I don't want to see that. It's <laughs> fair. Okay, so um, can you give us any fashion tips? Can you give us any? Um, my I mean? biggest fashion tip I have to say is jewelry. You already have a necklace on, so you already got started. But hey. it's, so do you. I think jewelry can just really make anyone elevate their game. It's like eye catching, and you're never going to go wrong with that. All right, but if you had to choose, which one of us is better dressed? Me or Stefan? Um, this is so tough. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to go. I just love purple. So Let's I go. Have to go with you. Let's right, go. I had I had to wear the purple today. What do I need to do just to step it. up my game? Pastels. Pastels. Yeah. All right. All right. I wanted to be bold today. I love that too. So don't worry. <laughs> awesome. All right. Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Ajay, VP of Business Development for MASH Magazine and former Trend Research Chair at USC. Thank you guys. Thank, thank you. you. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. This show is produced by Paulina Cherizova, Wilco Martinez-Cachero, and Meredith McCabe. Paulina Cherizova is our technical operator, and Derek Renfro composed our theme music. We are streaming live on KXSC. Follow KXSC at kxsc.org listen and on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News. Also, follow us on Instagram at Annenberg Radio and subscribe to From Where We Are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're looking for even more news, be sure to download Annie, Annenberg's news app. I'm Stefan Delaguardia. And I'm Justin Heo. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, we hope you'll join us again for From, for, for, from for, Where We for, Are. Ne- we'll get it next week. <laughs> Promise.